Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. As always, I'm Max Brecky, along with me, Harrison Starr and Benjamin Ross. Fellas, I just got um, obliterated by 20 points in Columbus, Ohio. However, the really important news here is that our good friend Harrison just took... We were going to do this on the air and then his computer crashed on him really quickly. Harrison took his first Malort shot. Um, If you aren't familiar, Malort is... um, a very criticized liquor that is very local to Chicago and the Chicago area. And um, Ben hates it. Harrison, you want to give this backstory really quick on why we were about to do this? Yeah, so um, The Ringer, our cousin in uh, the Vox family of networks, uh, came out with this Malort article about how it's like now reacquired by a place that's going to be distilling it in Chicago. So it sparked a conversation, and Ben was kind enough, or, or evil enough. I think he thought he was being evil. Um. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to make my lord available to whoever, all of my children who want it. Let them imbibe in the worst beverage I can possibly purchase legally. But, but I did have it uh, in our first take of this, and... Honestly, I liked it. I really did. I like Malort. I'm a, I am also a Malort liker, um, so I agree with you. Um, it's got a good flavor. It's grapefruit. Yeah. The, the fun thing about Malort is people don't realize that it's made the same way as vodka is, but instead of using potatoes, they use used tires. Um, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has nice notes of uh, stomach bile and driftwood. And I believe the last time I tried it, I got hints of cockroach. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. You guys tell me how you like it. Um, tastes fine. Yeah, I like it. Like, I mean, I, I asked if anyone had had Fernet Branca before. I and had for, not. How does that compare? And, and it... Let's just put it this way. Fernet is like... Um, they are distant cousins at best. But it's like a Jägermeister with, like, a super minty herbal flavor. So, like, I was expecting, like, the worst... That I would describe as, like, good or pleasant. Yeah. The complete opposite of my lord. But I don't know. Like, maybe my taste buds are just dead tonight, but I liked it. I would definitely drink it again, and will drink it again. But probably not by myself. It will be maybe more of a a joke shot for other people, but a real shot for me. Just like for Nat. But yeah, Iowa basketball. <laughs> Anyways, <shot>. Iowa basketball. <laughs> My um, lord, the drink that tastes like Iowa basketball plays. Well, to be fair, My lord is good, and they did not play well tonight. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I, I guess do we start with the ends with uh, the alleged Fran McCaffrey blow up? <laughs> yeah. So um, literally, right when we saw. Um, Literally, right when we started doing the podcast, the tweet came out from uh, 
Kyle Rowland, who covers Michigan and Ohio State, an odd combination to say the least. Um, and uh, so he writes for the Toledo Blade. Um, apparently, down the tunnel, McCaffrey was screaming, and I quote, or screaming at a referee, and I quote, you cheating motherfucker, you're a fucking disgrace. Well, the optics well. aren't great. Um, to say the least. Yeah, the optics are horrible. Um, I don't know, though, how you can say that that game comes down to the refereeing, though. So I think, really, the crux of his anger is probably the Connor McCaffrey foul call, like, towards the end, which drew a technical on McCaffrey. Connor, because he was complaining about getting shouldered in the face. And then the next time down, Iowa scores a basket. They get into a press, and it's like, okay, Iowa has, what, maybe 11-point deficit. It's like, okay, maybe they can maybe they can make something happen with this press. And then Fran just, like, quietly, like, it was the quietest technical he's ever gotten as a Hawkeye coach. It's like, why? Like, I mean, the... You know the offensive output that your team is capable of. I don't know why you're not, like, giving that a shot. Instead, like, you and your son just kind of threw four points down the drain. I, I That's, to me, the most frustrating thing about it. Like, we can get into maybe more why he was mad about it. Because I, I just think, like, that's not the time and place to get that technical foul. I don't know. Yeah, and then go you. off on the refs in the tunnel. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Harrison. Uh, but uh, it's also worth noting that Holtman, Ohio State's coach, also got a technical. So, <laughs> I mean, across, across the board, the co- both coaches were unhappy with officiating, which, uh, I mean, clearly Ohio State came out ahead in this one. But, yeah, I was really surprised it was a technical at the time. Uh, I think mostly it must have just been that Fran walked on the court in the middle of the play, right? Um <clears throat> or it was, like, inching on while the uh, clock was still running. It, it was just weird to me because, you know, he's, he, his demeanor was relatively calm. At least his face wasn't red. Didn't look like he was shouting like we've normally seen before. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't hate the technical because I think that at that particular moment they had given, you know, like a few pretty weak foul calls to Ohio State. Uh, there was, I can't remember that sequence exactly, but I remember that, oh, there was the McCaffrey, you know, charge, which is, a, which or not a charge, uh, the offensive foul, for, uh, trying to set a pick, which to be fair, that is a um, foul in today's NCAA basketball. But, uh, you know, then on the other end of the floor, McCaffrey absolutely got smacked in the face by uh, an Ohio State player. And then coming back, Bear got hit on, I think he actually hit the layup. Um, he got hit on the arm, and I think that's about when Fran went off. I think, you know, it's just frustration. Iowa was down huge. And, you know, I don't hate it at that point. You know, fight for your players. You're not going to win that game anyway. So that technical, I thought it was fine. My yeah. my my hot take on the whole loss situation tonight is we just wanted to get another team from the Big Ten in the NCAA tourney. We let Ohio State <laughs> keep their postseason hopes alive, and I was going to send nine or the Big Ten's going to send nine teams to the NCAA tournament. 
while the Pac-12 will send one. So, we have that. Yeah, They I could mean, send two. No, They might yeah. send two. They might send two. But, I mean, your point's a good one, Ben, in that, overall, Ohio State had so much more to play for than Iowa did. Like, you just kind of look at it macro. Iowa was an underdog tonight. Like, yeah, Iowa, yeah, exactly. exactly. Iowa is <laughs> the underdog, which means that, hey, they the, the someone knows that some that Ohio State's going to just play better or that that's the way the math turns out. But it's like, you know, it, it is what it is. Iowa doesn't really have Big 10 seeding to play for. If they win one more game, they're not going to be caught by Ohio State who could put Iowa 7th in the Big 10. They really can't get to four or five. So right now, and I think maybe this is ultimately where Fran is coming with that explosion in the tunnel, is trying to build some momentum. <laughs> Granted, this is the worst way to do that, I think. Oh, yeah. trying, to, tr- trying to build some momentum to, to say, hey, there's still a lot of play for in these next three games so that we can set ourselves up for success in March, and they really can. This is a team that has some clear matchup capabilities if they're going against, um, you know, the right teams in March, but there are just too many teams in the Big Ten that have a stout interior that Iowa's interior kind of gets uh, negated, especially when, like, calls go one way and not necessarily the other. Yeah, um, he's... We're currently in his press conference right now, and he was asked about the post-game incident, and he said, I can't talk about that. So, well, I mean, you're already going to get suspended, Fran. <laughs> so. Dan Wolken, <clears throat> Dan Wolken just tweeted, I mean, I hate, I don't want to keep talking about this, but he said. Oh, I just, I think I quote tweeted it, but go no, ahead. He, no, he said something else. Ah. Going to need a compelling argument for why a coach calling a ref a cheating motherfucker isn't grounds for a suspension. Maybe for the rest of the season, given his history. What, Fart noise. What is yeah. Fran's history besides technical fouls and being mad at the ref? Like, has he gone? Has he as he slept with Dan Wilkins' wife? Like, <laughs> oh, seriously? God. No, no. I mean, don't put that on Fran. I don't want him to. <laughs> but, but like, but that's a fair. Like, I mean, the thing is, is that what Fran is, and and, and you look back to even the IU game. Archie Miller was going bonkers. Like, he was going nuts on the sideline. But I think what it comes down to with Fran is he is a huge guy. Like, he is he is big. So, like, when he is mad, he is imposing on these referees. And he gets really red. Which... And he gets, yeah, he gets really red. So, like, I, like, the optics of Fran getting mad are bad. This particular incident is horrible. Of course he can't talk about it because it's an incident with the referee, you know, and that's kind of been the thing about a criticism of the Iowa media towards Fran is like, if you're, the referee is a part of the game, so you have to at least feign some, some frustration with it instead of just like shutting down because that doesn't necessarily help you. Like with, with Ference, he, the, the thing about Ference to compare the two with refereeing is he's always oh the referees have a hard job they have to do a lot of different things this one call is one thing that I know very well and I hate it 
Like, Fran's got to find that crutch to complain about refereeing. And, and, so, uh, not a good look. It, it really isn't a good look, but he doesn't. Uh, he will get suspended, but not for the rest of the season. That's ridiculous. What was his suspension? So, I remember uh, Kirk Spearock coached a couple games for Fran. Was that... Uh, handed down by the Big Ten, or was it handed in? That suspension was handed by Iowa. I can't remember. It was for, a Big Ten thing, I for believe. For what? Uh, when was the last time Fran was suspended? I think it was post Michigan State game. Like, I mean, that was like that was six years ago. Which was, I guess some coaches well, he haven't got been it. suspended. Wasn't it the Maryland game when you got a double tech? Uh, last year, I think that was. No, not the last no, one that we was just a single with. tech. I thought he got ejected from a Maryland game. Uh, possibly, but either way, basketball coaches get mad. All coaches get mad. I'm mad. I'm I'm not getting suspended. Like, I don't know, man. It's just stupid to me. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I, I guess I want to close with an an anecdote. Um, way back, and I know this is going to be a totally compelling argument, but way back when. Uh, I played basketball in middle school. I set a pick and was ran over by a guy who was, like, a foot taller than me. Not even a lie. I got called for the foul. I guess I was moving on the screen. My dad, the coach, he got a technical immediately for calling the foul. Or for getting mad at me, his son, getting hurt. So I think that is part of the thing that's at play here is... Fran seeing his son get hurt and that's something that he's going to have to work through if he's going to coach Connor and Pat for the next four or five years like that's just something that he's going to have to figure out how do I treat them like players do I react the same way if it's Jordan Bohannon that gets hit in the face like that as I did with Connor McCaffrey my son so I think that's something that's also at play here it doesn't justify the reaction but I think that's something that's at play. And, I mean, <clears throat> also, like, you know, Fran's going into a stretch. He knows he's, we've got Rutgers going, coming up. He thinks he can probably have his team prepared if he's not coaching. Maybe, you know, this will light a fire under the team's belly. Um, I just got to look on the bright side of that because I just think this is overblown without yeah. knowing much about what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, it's safe to say that there, you might think that, you know, it'll light a fire under his team, you know, going into this weekend's game against Rutgers, which is one that they have to win because Rutgers just straight up isn't a very, they're not a bad team anymore, but they're not, a, you know, I wouldn't even say that they're a good team. They're a very mediocre team, and uh, that would probably be doing pretty well in the Pac-12, but, uh, you know... This team had absolutely no fire against Ohio State tonight, so we could talk a little bit about the game. I don't know if there's anybody besides maybe Meishi Daly and first half Ryan. Oh no, I guess that uh, Weeskamp. Weeskamp had a great game, yeah. uh, at least offensively. Um, but you know, I don't know if there's really anybody who had great games other than those two. And you know, shit, Daly had eight points. Weeskamp had seventeen. Yeah, Daly had eight points in fifteen minutes. Um, the I no first half was great. As I was pretty happy with the way the team played. Uh, Kreiner had um, 
nine first half points, I think. He led the team. I think he also had eight, but yeah. Whatever. Uh, he he played really well, and the team, it sort of looked like we are going to slump on a bit there. Then Holtman got assessed to technical, and Iowa went on a 13-3 run and um, kind of bungled the last possession. To, it was tied at half, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. we're down three and a half, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. There was nothing that told me that uh, Iowa wasn't going to make it a game in the second half or wasn't going to be a close one in the second half. Uh, it's pretty surprising for me to see Iowa come out there and start the second half as slow as they did and just sort of get in a hole they never dug themselves out of. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I thought that there was a lot to like about that first half. They got started a little strong. Obviously, let Ohio State back into it, but they were able to get Wesson in foul trouble. I guess, granted, it was two offensive fouls that did him in, so it's not like, you know, they were really uprooting him on the defensive end. But they were doing kind of enough to stay in it. It felt like, okay, can they just find a stretch where they're going to get going offensively? And to Ohio State's credit, um, you know, that the Arns kid, like, he just got on fire. Jesus, yeah. And... And it wasn't necessarily bad defense. There were spurts of bad defense, no doubt. But, you know, once you get into that that press, there are very specific pockets of that press that are going to get killed. And that corner is going to get killed. And that was textbook press breaking. So that's credit to Ohio State more than it is maybe a detriment to Iowa. Um but still, like, I mean, they hit shots. It is kind of what it comes down to. They hit shots. Bohannon could never really get get it going. Really, Wieskamp was the only guy that was really doing real well. Um, so, yeah, you're not going to win many games when, when Wieskamp is kind of the only guy in that mid-teens spot, I don't think, even though I do think he defines kind of Iowa's ceiling. Yeah, I mean, Wieskamp's a great player, but, you know, when you don't have Cook and you don't have Bohannon and, to a lesser extent, you don't have, you know, Moss and Garza, you know, lighting up the scoreboard or even putting adequate numbers in the scoreboard, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, Cook was 6 of 14. He shot two three-pointers. Yeah, that was weird to me. Uh, Um, Bohannon, 2 of 8, shot 0 for 5. Iowa went 6 of 19 from 3. Wieskamp went 5 of 6. Like, enough said. <laughs> so, no. the rest of the team went, what, 1 of 13? Yeah, Bohan yeah. went 0 Pitiful. for 5. No, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, Bo, that was Nick Bear. He went 1 for 1, so everyone yeah. else went, what, what is that? 0 for 12. 12. So, like, I mean, but Ohio State was constructed to really kind of beat Iowa. Their game plan was no clean threes and trusting Weston to stay out of foul trouble which he did on the inside. So, like, Bohannon was 2-3. He took the ball to the lane twice for baskets. He got to the free throw line that way. Like, I mean, it's just that Ohio State was kind of uniquely constructed, and maybe that's Fran's point is, hey, my guys were getting killed off ball this whole game. Uh, Where's that? Um, But credit to Ohio State. They were desperate for this game. They came out that way in the second half, and they deserve this win hands down. Like, I mean, I, I don't think this game is on, like, it's, no. Like, I mean, this is one team being better than the other, 
it happens. It happens. I always do for a game like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, they've I, had a lot. Of, go ahead. I I think we've covered it pretty well. It, again, Iowa. We were underdogs. This game was at Ohio State. Uh, we weren't twenty point underdogs. <laughs> what? I said we weren't twenty point underdogs. Oh, okay. True. But still, we were going against Ohio State, a team that went to the tourney last year, uh, a team full of good players, and we. I don't want to say we just had an off night, but we talked about you know our shooting troubles and everything. The thing that is, is perhaps scariest or most troubling to me is we're seeing two of our starters, Isaiah Moss and Luca Garza, are just so, so horribly inconsistent. Um, or not just horribly, just inconsistent right now. It's ner- It's a little nervous to see. We're getting to the point of the year where pretty soon we'll be at the point of the year where you can't have an off night from two of two of your uh, five starters. Um, I think those two guys need to get some momentum and quick. Yeah, uh, we Iowa really needs Bohannon to start making three pointers before the first five minutes of the game, or before the last five minutes of the game. Um, he's been unable to get it going, and you know it's great that he's been able to get it going at that point, but. You know, they need him to get going. I don't, I just don't feel like really anybody showed up. Like, in the first half, Kreener was there, and Kreener played well. Daly was there the entirety of the game. Outside of that, and I guess Garza had a, uh, he, never mind, he had no rebounds. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, Gar- Garza I mean, did a, not have a good game. Yeah, they, Iowa See? got smoked inside, like the. Garza's dog knows. Yeah, yeah. Box out. That's what, that's what Freddie's saying. <laughs> But, I mean, it was, you know, it, it, it was, I always do for that kind of performance to get called on. Like, I think at some point, like, you get into a rhythm where you think, oh, we can come back, we can come back, yeah. we can come back. And they had done that for the last four game or last five games. It didn't turn out their side, their way against Maryland. But, like, I think you kind of fall into, okay, we still got this. It's like the ninth inning mentality in a way, except for there's a clock instead of not having a clock. Um, so I think a loss in a way this way, it, I think Max, it might've been you that tweeted it. You can't let this game beat you twice. So hopefully the way this game transpired actually leads to a win against Rutgers. That's, that would be my hope. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they yeah with the way that they've been playing lately, and they have won games. Uh, Matt's getting us ratioed on Twitter right now because he said that I was in the middle of a slide. Their play has you know regressed in the last month. They haven't really played well since. When's the last game that Iowa truly took it to their opponent? I. It's been a minute. Michigan. Yeah, in, in Michigan. Michigan yeah. It's been since February 1st since Iowa truly had a good, you know, a good game. They beat Indiana by five, then they beat Indiana in overtime by six. Um, lost to Maryland, beat Rutgers by two, and beat Northwestern by one. And they, those both of those games, you know, it, they really could be, you know, three and four right now. Was that that math? Yeah. They could be three and four. You know, they, they could be. They normally would be. Two and five. If, you know, you want to flip the Indiana game, you know, like, and that's obviously not how we play it, but like, they've haven't played very well. And it was only a matter of time before somebody came out and had a very good game against this team. 
and you know playing the way that they have been playing and maybe yeah this will be the wake up call hopefully that you know they need to kind of get things go kind of get things in motion again um you know it's going to be senior night it's the last game of the season at home against Rutgers coming up and you know hopefully uh this and the whole Fran episode after the game you know kind of gets them going Yeah, I mean, we need to send Nicholas Bear off, right? I mean, he's really the only senior, unless there's uh, yeah a walk-on. But yeah, you you would hope. I mean, that was kind of as as I kind of play back specific spots in this game. Weird game from Nicholas Bear. Like, I mean, that that uh, intentional foul. It was the right call. Because that was so he, weird to me because yeah. he but because he got crazy. him with the right arm. But it, it just felt like, I mean, that's kind It was of the right when, call, but, yeah, it kind of felt like the game sort of flipped there. You're right. Um, had a weird – he just – he reacted strangely, and uh, I didn't like the way um, – I don't know. Just it was, The players seemed confused by that and sort of flipped a switch. You're right, I think, for Ohio State there. Because that almost – like, if, if Fran was going to, like, dial up, playback when am i going to get a technical this game that would probably be the time where he's like okay let's just screw it they're already going to the line for two more times they have the ball let's just go ahead and get teed up here try and recharge the team before halftime and get them going in that respect because like i think that's where holtman among other among other things like that's where holtman outcoached fran is just like the motivation game they just they had it on lock because you know the the announcers the way they were framing it like that win probably gets ohio state in this tournament to your point ben you're welcome you guys can send all nice nice tweets or gift baskets my way um but you guys are ohio state fans because i know you don't know how to use a mail so whatever (laughs) all right so, um, unless you all have anything else to say about this game, um, I think it's safe to say we can move on from it. Um, maybe. Anything? Yeah, let's. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, do we? Do we even want to talk about Indiana from the weekend? Um, Iowa won. G- Jordan Bohannon was an absolute god, and that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, what was it? Fourteen points in how many minutes? Like six. Six. Yeah, I think I was going to say five. So yeah, Jordan Bohannon is your father. Um, what else is there to say? Um, except he wasn't tonight. That's about all I have in the game, Harrison. I don't think I have anything to say that you guys haven't said about the IU game. Should we <laughs> toss it to uh, Spencer Hall or whoever has our commercial? Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll be back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we're back. Um, so now I was at what twenty-one and seven on the year. They're mm-hmm. eleven and seven conference. Ten and seven. Ten, ten, ten and, and seven. seven. Correct. Yes. 
So they're uh, 21 to 7, 10 and 7 in conference. That puts them firmly in sixth place for the moment. And the only real way that they can be overtaken is if Ohio State wins out and Iowa loses out. Um, so how are we feeling about uh, this upcoming game against Rutger? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I think I need some more time to dissect kind of all of the stuff that's going around Hawkeye sports right now. Um, but I think I feel good. Like, I know Rutgers is going to come and fire it up. They haven't played since this weekend. They're not going to play this week. So they're going to be ready. Like, I mean, um, Geno Stone, Geo Stone, excuse me, is going to have to... Geno Stone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, we, yeah. We should put Geno Stone <laughs> in to play against Rutgers. Because he's probably that, a pretty good basketball player. Yeah, he probably can. You know, he uh, I just meant because he's going to be physical and he could tackle somebody the way that Rutgers <laughs> was tackling Iowa at the rack. <laughs> you got me there. But, I mean, like, they're going to have to put their money where their mouth is. And if I always had a tough time against Rutgers, I remember two years ago, right? In which I think sport? It was where it was like the weird Dom Yule game where he came in and really kind of flipped it. Uh,. But yeah, I was going to have to be ready for this game, and I hope that everything that's going around is able to be channeled into a positive, because you kind of look, and it's like, eh, they have Wisconsin after this, they have Nebraska to close the season. Like, those two teams are going to be ready. Rutgers is going to be ready. These games aren't going to be easy. No. So, I always got to get one, Like, and then I feel much better about kind of their tournament prospects in terms of how they play in the tournament. Uh, are we talking about the NCAA? Just in general. Gotcha. Any, Both the Big any Ten and postseason NCAA. tournament format. Yep. Um, it's important to remember Rutger has already provided us, Iowa, with tons of built bulletin board material. Uh, sure. Flap, flapping their jaws after the game, saying that Iowa had no business winning. Joe Wieskamp hit a hit a fake shot. He 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 makes uh, one in a million. For the record, did you, did you hear that he apparently was told by Cook in, that he, Cook told him he couldn't make it again during practice, and so he made it again. Yeah, the first shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe Wieskamp's I, a freaking boss. <laughs> I think I think Harrison called it the Wieskamp corner or Wieskamp's corner. No, no, no. It's it is Fran it is Fran Fraschilla, Wieskamp corner. Dubbed it. He dubbed that. In New York City, at the very beginning of the city, at the very beginning of the season, he was. Uh, so yeah, Wee's Camp Corner. So we have the Wee's Corner on our side. Um, I mean, it's not a must-win by any means, but you know, uh, we're, we want to get gravy at the t- close of the year, and uh, with the Fran thing tonight and the, the the mitigating circumstances about Gary Dolphin, we'll get into I think in a moment. Uh, this team could really use, uh, I hate moral victories, but it could use a real victory and a moral victory, and uh, this team needs to get wins uh, to, to be ready in March, I think, on and off the court. Very strong agree. Yeah, there's, I, I agree with that. Like, I just think this team needs a win. I think they need a, they need a convincing win is kind of what I think. So I hope that we see that happen on Saturday. 
you th- I, do you guys think that if they get that convincing win, it will be against Rutgers? Is the, you think that's their only real chance for it? Or do you think Nebraska might offer that opportunity? Why not Wisconsin? I just feel like the way that Wisconsin plays, it won't. And the fact that Wisconsin's actually a good team, I don't think that that'll be a runaway victory in Madison. No, it's not going to be a runaway. But I, I think in terms of, to your point, Max, what's the best moral victory Iowa can have? I think getting a convincing win against Rutgers is probably the best moral victory that they could have. I, I think that if they were to beat Wisconsin, I think that would be very helpful. I think that would show, hey, they can maybe play Oops. against a different, <laughs> you know, play against a team like that in the tournament. Um, and I think even if they were to beat Nebraska, that would be a good sign. But I think just mentally this team collectively needs to get into the right headspace. So I think beating Rutgers, and if it's convincing, I think that would go a long way. Um, but they have they have to show that they can beat a team convincingly because it's been a while. Yeah, um, full 25 days. Which is yeah, actually agree. a long time. You just gotta All think right. this team has got to be hungry for. I mean, obviously the competitors, every Division One athlete's got to have that mentality. But this team has got to be so frustrated to how they can't. Uh, you know, there it must be really stressful to be closing out these games. As stressful as it is for us, our, us watching the games, imagine playing in them. Uh, it's hard to tax city out there on the court. Uh, I imagine uh, <laughs> there's in shape, a lot. Buddy. I have already. I already were probably have heart problems. <laughs> right. Um, so that kind of threw me off. But yeah, I don't know. Imagine how exhausted these players must be. I think being able to beat a team handily will lift a great weight off their shoulders. Like you were, yeah. To your point, Max, that was good. But they got to do it. Like they just have to do it. Yeah, it needs and, to be done. And if they don't, I don't necessarily think it means anything bad because I, I do think like there's a lot of things going against them mentally right now uh, in terms of hey everyone no one thought that we were going to make the tournament but right now it looks like we're going to make the tournament we're going to be the number six team in the Big Ten I just think like that that hump needs to be overcome mentally by Fran and, and, and like maybe that was his play that's I, I'm sorry to keep going back to that, but like I think that there's something he needs to do to jumpstart this team energy-wise because there really isn't like a true motivation. Um, so I, I think that what we see on Saturday is going to show a lot about kind of the mental makeup of this team uh, for the future. Strong agree. And... Uh... You kind of just preface this a little bit, but about uh, Iowa and you know that we've kind of talked about what they could do in the tournament if you know they go in there confident, um, and that they weren't even expected to make the tournament this season. You know, people thought that, <laughs> like experts said, that they were going to be like eleventh in the Big Ten. Um, but what I was going to ask was, and Harrison, you and I kind of mentioned this previously. Um, you text, or I texted you, and I asked you this question. Uh, how far do you think Iowa needs to go in these two tournaments for people to kind of, uh, whoops, did it again. 
for people to like be satisfied because you know now there's this Gary Dolphin thing. People are angry about that now. People are angry about this Fran McCaffrey thing. Um, people have people are just always angry. People are always angry when it comes to Iowa basketball. It seems. And right now, even though you know they are five and two in the past month, uh, you know expectations and morale around the team seems low. Uh, so I guess that's kind of just my question: is what do y'all think about that? I think like if Iowa gets four wins in the two tournaments combined, like I think that this season is an unassailable like success. Like there's there's nothing that you can say about this season that would be a point of frustration outside, <laughs> I guess, outside of all the, the bullshit. But, like, I mean, on the court, like, if they get to, to, you know, two wins in the Big Ten tournament, they get to the Sweet 16. I think even if they get to the Sweet 16, I think that that is just such a positive for this program. Um, and I guess maybe that's kind of the lull they're falling into is, hey, we think we can beat anyone on any night but really they've just beat Northwestern, Indiana, Rutgers, stuck with Maryland on their home floor. So it's like I think that they need to find a way into that sixth seed and that sixth seed in the NCAA I think is a really good path to get into the Sweet 16 and to me that would be just the ultimate mulligan for Last year, for all the off-court things that are happening, uh, I think that everyone then goes into next year with real high standards, and I think they're a team that could be capable of maintaining those standards. I think, other than maybe Matt on staff, I was the most down, uh, I was the most pessimistic on this team going into the year. I think what we, we had four Big Ten wins last year, correct? Um, I predicted six as yeah. max or seven as being happy with it. Uh, and so obviously this team has kicked me right in the face and I'm super happy about it. I'm super happy to be proven wrong. Um, and uh, you, I mean, you said a sweet 16 run I, uh, and uh, under almost any circumstance for Iowa basketball, that's an overachievement. Uh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think even making the tourney is blowing expectations on the water Getting one win uh, would match Fran would match Fran's you know max max out here so far, and Sweet Sixteen would unquestionably be the best Iowa basketball season uh, in how long? Fifteen years? I mean, it would twenty years? depend on what you want to gauge success yeah. as. Like, I mean, to yeah. me, that two thousand six team, which might have been before your guys' time, like winning the big yeah, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was a big Minnesota Ten fan in 2006. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then going in as a three seed, like to me that might have been the height of Iowa basketball in maybe m- my lifetime in terms of like looking forward. I think the 99 team that got into the Sweet 16, that's probably, I mean, that would be the one. I mean, that was 20 years ago to your point though, Ben. Like it's been 20 years since Iowa's been in the Sweet 16. And yeah. It would be a big deal if Iowa got back there. Yeah, uh, I think that that's that's the only thing that'll get Iowa fans satisfied is the Sweet 16 run this season. And I know that you know that's weird to say, seeing as how nobody thought that they would even make the tournament with the squad after last year. But 
you know, now that they're good and now that we're here, I don't think that they'll accept anything else. I think that if, you know, if they get another route, if they're a high seed, like a sixth seed, maybe uh, an 11, or, you know, if they're a five and they beat a 12, then that'll be expected. And if you make it to this uh, round of 32, no matter who it is that you play, you know, it's just going to turn into a, well, well, they won one game and they're done again. Classic Iowa. Because Franz made it to the round of 32 two, three times? They beat Temple. Two times, just two times. Beat okay. Temple, beat uh, Davidson. Yeah. And you're right, though. That is kind of the baggage of Iowa, though. It's like, oh, they won one and they're out because you have that one off against, uh, or in 99, where they got to the Sweet 16. But that was Davis's thing. Like, he got in basically three out of every four or five years, won the game that he was supposed to, and then lost to a one or two seed. Like, I mean, can, can Fran get Iowa to a six seed? Can the, or can this team get to a six seed? To me, that is that is the spot where magic can kind of, you know, start to happen because you just open up yourself to, hey, maybe this three seed loses to a 14. Like, I mean, you don't really see the 15 seeds knock off two seeds. You do, no. but... Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> you it's, can't really count on it. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. One year I picked Missouri to win the entire oh, thing. Oh, yeah. A, the year that they were the two Kylo seed. Quinn, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I picked them to win the whole thing. I put some money on it with uh, in a little group pool, and I lost big. That was also the year that Duke lost to um, Mercer, wasn't it? I thought it was Lehigh. I thought yeah, that was the, the, the McCollum the team. No, no, no. It was a different team because they had CJ McCollum. Oh, yeah. Two NBA players took down Missouri and uh, and Duke. <laughs> anyway, before we get too sidetracked. <laughs> I just... I, I want vindication. You he, After tonight, we're, he's probably looking at a single-game suspension. He's probably I'll say co- two. Maybe two, even. He's probably yeah. coaching under a tremendous amount of pressure, as is... And he has to deal with all this bullshit coming out of the athletic department. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we need to talk about this. Uh, I'll start it off. You you all probably know what happened. Gary Dolphin, uh, voice of the Hawkeyes since Iowa basketball since when, Harrison? 2000, Early it? to the, like, basically, he came around just before Ference. So, like, I mean, that's really kind of the tie here is Ference and Dolphin are... Did he start football and basketball <laughs> in the same year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, we got Gary Dolphin. He referred, he called uh, Bruno Fernando, a player on Maryland. He said he played like King Kong. Um, Nobody, and that was on a Tuesday night. We didn't hear, we had to wait three days until one, I even heard about the incident. Yeah, I don't think anybody even noticed it. So we had to wait until a Friday afternoon news dump where we got a two-paragraph statement from the University of Iowa um, and a statement from Learfield. the something something called Hawkeye Sports Hawkeye Properties, Sports Properties. For, which I'm going to say, for all intents and purposes, is a third-party company that's you that's basically used to protect the University of Iowa when shit like this happens. Um, I could be wrong. That's probably oversimplification, but that's sort of how I feel this is being handled right now. And... I don't think people are can sort of understand. They're not really realizing that many things in this whole situation can be true at the same time. Yep. 
Uh, Dolphin said something he shouldn't have, but he said it without malicious intent. As far as the public knows, no one anywhere complained about his statement, what he said. Uh, in doing so, the Hawkeye Sports properties handed out a season-long suspension for Dolphin. Dolphin issued what I believe to be a genuine, thoughtful apology that included the term unconscious bias. Agreed. The university sent that unsigned two-sentence statement saying they agree with the Hawkeye Sports properties. They agree that they told them to do what they told them to do. Uh, Fran McCaffrey refuses to comment. Gary Barter refuses to comment, leaving 18, 19, I... 20, and 21-year-olds to answer reporters' questions after the game against Indiana. I don't think that Fran needs to talk about it. I don't think the players should be need to be talking about it either, and I can't believe that they didn't tell the reporters they couldn't ask the players about it either. But let's continue on, though. Um, today, we I haven't listened to it, but Bruce Harold, University of Iowa president, apparently went on the radio and said he sides with Gary Barda. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we already know that there's skeletons in Dolphin's closet. He, he had the incident with Macy Daly earlier in the year. Uh, there were a few years, a couple years ago, he said... The Toussaint thing. Uh, the Toussaint thing. A couple years ago uh, with football. Um, no, that's what he, I'm talking about. That's yeah, the Toussaint thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With football, he, he a similar, very similar circumstance with the football thing. And then there's the, his tensions going off McCaffrey, which I don't want to get too much into, but there's a ticket situation and the water bottle situation. And we already know that there's these skeletons in the closet... So let them out or fire him, but don't, if you're Gary Barda, if you're University of Iowa, don't drag your ass across the living room carpet and call it Hershey's Syrup. (laughs) Oh, man. Like, speaking of histories, Gary Barda has a well-documented history of mishandling employees in situations just like this. Mm -hmm. What does the university expect reaction to be? Of Of course people are angry, and it's been... Almost, we're, we're closing in on an entire week since the suspension has happened. And we haven't heard from Barda. We haven't heard from Bruce Harold. We haven't heard from anybody else in the athletic department. We haven't heard from Weitzel. We haven't heard from Rowe. We haven't heard from fuck all about what's going on. And this dysfunction is so troubling. And I feel so bad for Fran McCaffrey and his family and these players who have to deal with these grown-ass men who are making millions of dollars a year who don't know how to manage their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> are you mad, Ben? I, I mean, yeah, I'm mad, but I'm disappointed. <laughs> I spent yeah, no. four, I spent yeah, four no, years in Iowa yeah. City. I, I blogged. Five. Like, <laughs> and I worked for the athletic department for part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, so Max, you probably speak better on that Hawkeye Sports Properties Company and shit like that, that background information, but from the surface, nah. from a casual fan, this looks so bad. Oh, no, it doesn't look good, and um, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of stuff about, you know, my time working for, I worked for, I did some student use stuff when I was a student, um, so, like, I was, I worked in Hawk Vision um, as a student, so, like, it's not like I was, like, ever anybody important, uh, but, like, you know, like, I've heard things, like, I'm not going to start talking about them right now, just because I still have some good connections with those people, um, and they're all nice people, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are like. No, no, I know what you're saying. I know. But uh, so I don't want to get too far into what I do know and do not know because I don't know. I don't know anything damning. I'll say that I don't really know anything damning about anybody. Um, but 
Yeah, no, it's it is a frustrating thing, and it's one of those things where it look and people want to talk about how it's you know there's a, it's a network of people and how you know somebody needs to speak and how it's everybody's fault equally. There's somebody at the top of the food chain. There's somebody who's literally the director of the athletic department, and that person needs to speak. You know, like you know, if he wants to even just like say, yeah, you know what, screw it. Dolphins suspended for the rest of the year. We, you know what? That's it. Say it. You know, like sign your sign your name on yeah. on the yeah. ruling you're handing down. Like goddamn, or at least a, or at least make one of your henchmen sign. That yeah, name. have a spine. Like have somebody. Like you're making <laughs> dolphin fall on a grenade. Why can't you have somebody else in the athletic department fall on a grenade? It. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's you know it's a shitty situation and like honestly if. You, it's okay. It's something that Dolphin shouldn't have said. It's you know like he didn't mean anything bad by it. I think at this point we've everybody said this. He didn't mean anything bad by it. As somebody who's a professional and who's been doing this for twenty or so years, you can't say that. And he should know that you can't say that. He should know the the trope, and he should know he, that he's a professional talker. For a yeah, like, like you get paid. paid you get paid to speak. You yeah. know, and you, you get paid to speak. You can't have a slip of words like that. Um, no matter how you meant it. Anyways, besides the point. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I was on a roll, too. What a shame. Well, yeah, I, I think okay. I, I'll pick up where I think you're leaving off is, to me, the the frustration that I see about or see with Gary Barda, because I have two spots on this, but I think with Gary Barda, what it seems like his job is is he is the Roger Goodell of Iowa sports. And he's the guy who's supposed to just be, in some way, the straw man to take all of the heat. Now, where this kind of differentiates, right, is there are clear things, clear spots where Barta has just, like, he can't even manage his way out of a paper bag. He misses manage his way into the paper bag. And then <laughs> and then that's what happens. Because like all of this stuff could and should have been avoided. You go back to Meyer. If if she's actually a bad employee, then you know you develop a plan for a bad employee and then you have a reason to fire him or her when you, you need to. Like that's just that's that's employee management 101. You bring it here, and, and this is kind of the same thing, right? In terms of B- Dolphin said something he shouldn't have, and, and I would uh, recommend everyone who hasn't read the Morehouse piece on Dolphin, where uh, he brought in uh, a professor of psychology to talk about unconscious bias. It really hit home for me because growing up in Iowa, I had maybe a handful of black kids in my school, like four or five black kids went to my school and it was a big school, 400 person class. And there, you just don't know what you don't know, which goes to Ben's point about unconscious bias and why dolphins apology, you know, it felt heartfelt because there are things you don't know until you don't know them. And, and I think that a lot of people in Iowa 
look at what happened to Dolphin is like, well, if that happened to Dolphin for, for saying that, what could happen to me? Instead of, why is it wrong to use these words? And how can I do better and avoid this type of comparison? Like, I, I think that that's part of the, the issue with um, the way I grew up. Because I, I didn't... I didn't really get exposed to a lot of different cultures until I was 23 years old. I was in Charlotte. I was traveling for work in Dallas when I met, you know, my now wife. And Aww. but I mean, like it's it's an awe. But That'd like, be a good story for the pod one time. But it it will <laughs> be. But like, I met her and she's from a different background than me. And the friend she has. And the friends that I now have, and the cultures I was opened up to, it didn't happen in Iowa. And it doesn't really happen in Iowa, unless you go and seek it out. So I think that there's a lot of introspection that should have been happening that didn't necessarily. And I think bringing it back to what Barta said, or excuse me, what Dolphin said, on top of what he said about daily, I think there is kind of that that exponential suspension that happens. And I think that's fair. I don't think it should have necessarily been called an indefinite suspension, but Hey, between this and between what happened, um, with the King Kong, uh, I don't think that, I think there is an explanation that's deserved for why is he being suspended seven games basically because between the five regular season games and then the two tournaments like why is he being suspended oh he said this earlier in this season he said this now the combination is unacceptable for the voice of the hawkeyes that's easy right like i mean is that not that, that easy? is so so easy it's unbelievable and and to ben's point like he it was a good it was a very good apology like yeah. I trust that there is goodness in Dolphin's heart, but the way it's been mismanaged, man. Like I mean, Barta is just—he finds ways to make things worse for the university. Yeah, and yeah. and it is remarkable. I do not know how this guy has a job still. Like I just don't. I don't know how he's obsessively promoted to being. Um, on the college football playoff committee. We talked about that a little earlier. Just oh who else God, is going to yeah. get this job? Because there are worse athletic departments in the Big Ten, which is saying something, and that's probably part of the reason why he's still here. Hey, we could have rampant sexual assault in our athletic department, but he's not doing it. Hey, we could be harboring just a, a truly, truly horrible person, but he's hired a handful of really good people that are accountable for their sports teams, including Fran outside of say. So like, I think that, <laughs> I think that like somehow, some way like this Barta thing, it just, it has to end at some point because I thought Jordan Hansen did a great job outlining in that block of text, all of, the things that have gone on. Not all of them, some of them. <laughs> and maybe that's where I should end, because that that's exactly the point. Like, I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Ben, you have something else on it? Yeah, it's just uh, my, my closing thoughts are right now it feels like we're watching the mouse eat the cheese from the mouse trap, and people are okay with it. The administration is okay with it, and it's it's so troubling and, and so sad, and you have to feel bad for the kids because they're the ones who uh, suffer the most. Um, obviously, Dolphin's suffering too. If you feel a little bad for him, but the uh, the 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 players who, who have nothing to do with what's going on, they're taking the brunt of the 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 punishment, I guess, for lack of a better term, and it's just such a horrible mismanagement. Yeah. Like, is this... Do you think Bart... I don't want to keep talking about this much longer, but is Bart's job security now even stronger now that he's on the, the college football playoff community co- committee? Ah, uh, man, so... Probably, my God. God! So... I, I want to say, yeah, because even Harold today said I 100% have his back. And so, you know, there you go. There's the president of your university having your back right there. But he's, these donors, I think, are going to stop giving. From what I've, I've already heard, uh, who was it? Was it um, not Camp? Who was it that tweeted about this? On the, or it said this on his radio show today that... Oh, Bramo Camp? Oh, Bramo Camp, Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Bromwell Camp on his uh, radio show today apparently uh, was, uh, he said that he has sources that he trusts a lot that said that donors are already taking money away, that they pledged money to the athletic department or to the university or whatever, and they're already cha- going back on it. And it's been five days. Yeah, see, and t- to me that's something where it's a lack of introspection. Like, I mean, who... <laughs> Who who are some million dollar donors that are gonna listen to a <laughs> to, to some bums podcasting? <laughs> I speak for myself as a bum, not necessarily you guys, <laughs> but like seriously, no, but no. like there, I shipped my lord across country, sir. I know, I know, I know, but like that's the thing. It's like this is the type of thing that should require introspection and in how you can improve the things you do. But really, it's just about how can I. Wrongdoings that I'm perceiving as being happened. So I, it, it's it's just it's a snowball, like it's Gary Snowball, man. Like that's what this guy is. Yeah. All right. So without trying to get too much more into that, um, let's just very quickly. Uh, we wanted to talk about There's the NFL Combine this weekend. I think we've got Anthony Nelson, Amani Hooker, Noah Fant, and T.J. Hawkinson there. Did you say uh, PJ? PJ. said PJ. Oh. Well, maybe uh, did. I don't know. All, it's just funny to me, no offensive linemen and all underclassmen. For, you know, uh, your Hawkeye. typical Iowa group. Yeah. <laughs> a defensive back and two tight ends and a defensive well, end. That's standard, the tight ends. But, yeah, yeah that's, that is funny. Um, Hawkinson is already pretty much, it seems, a lock for the first round. Uh, who called him? I f- who called him the uh, safest player in this year's NFL draft? Someone on NFL Network. Uh, yeah, somebody that yeah, like knows somebody what they're talking about. Scott Doctor interviewed. Yeah, can't remember who. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's. I do you think that that kind of moves Noah Fant forward too, though? Yeah, I was actually talking to Matt Reisner, another guy who writes for us today, and he said that he thinks um, Noah Fant. He predicts that he'll actually outshine. Hawkinson at the combine, just you know, 
just sure. in, in freak athleticism and his cone drills and his 40 time and all that, which I'm told, which is cool. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I think the, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. And if uh, one, one does really well and the other does just fine or, you know, just not as well as the other, um, people are still going to say, hey, look at, you know, he was on this, he's his teammate. He was in the same room as him. Blah, blah, blah. Let's, um, you know, I think I could see one, uh, you know, each other helping each other's drops, uh, drops, draft stock in this. Uh, I was just going to say in the sense that if Hawkinson is really a top, like a top 10 lock and, you know, like the Lions really want him, where was, uh, where was he, or where was Hawkinson projected initially? Like 27? Yeah. You know, I could see Fant getting that nice little bump right there. You know, he's pr- he's going to have a good combine. Yeah, I thought that was a good question, Max, because I think what we're seeing with Hawkinson is him getting locked into the top half of the draft. And kind of my perspective on this um, prior to what we're seeing happen and kind of the lead-up to the combine was it was going to be a little bit of a zero-sum game in that whatever we see happen to Fant in terms of positive vibes or, you know, this excitement out of the combine would negate Hawkinson. But I think the lead-up has actually really, to Ben's point, it's locked Hawkinson in, and it probably can bring Fant up. Because, hey, if, if this guy was so good that he wasn't even on the field because of Hawkinson, like, I think that that's that might end up being the narrative that we leave or we see at the end of, or at the beginning of next week. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely agree. I think the def- I, I think it be, could be interesting. I think we could see two Iowa first round tight ends this season, which I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of ever that the two um, tight ends from the same school have gone in the first round. It, uh, it's never happened before. No. No, thank you. For fact nope. checking me. Uh, yeah, Scott Dockerman, once again. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else unless y'all. I, I've y'all. got nothing else unless uh, something. No, like I think a... we've we've well exhausted uh, the hour. Normally, this is <laughs> where yeah. we like to end it, anyways. So yeah. I, I, I could, think it's I could tell a, you guys uh, really hour. quickly. I could tell you guys really quickly oh, about yeah. the fight I saw. Oh yeah. Oh yes, do it. <laughs> so. I went out and we went to a pizza place at like 1 a.m. as one does, and we were just minding our own business. And this one good dude came in and he was real, real drunk, as people are at one in the morning at going to pizza places. I wasn't though. I'm a responsible adult. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so uh, he started berating the employees and these three young black gentlemen, which is important to the story actually. Um, Tried to like calm the dude down, and the dude starts yelling at them and trying to challenge them to fights. Eventually, there's a security dude here, so I guess that like, you know, this is like a thing that happens. Um, there's a security dude, and he kicks the dude out. Dude goes to his car, and like we're okay. all watching him through the window, and this and the security dude's watching, him, and the security dude's like, "All right, if he if I tell you guys to go, like you guys run into the back." Like he thought he was grabbing a gun, and we were like, "Oh." Dude, dude takes off his Jonathan Taves jersey and his baseball hat, puts on a hoodie, and puts on a black uh, 
And he puts on a black, like, beanie. <laughs> the reason that I thought of this was because somebody said $400 beanie wear it ass in, um, <laughs> our, in our group chat earlier. But so the dude changed his clothes and then comes back in and gets back in line. Oh, <laughs> just so he could get served again? So the security dude's like, nah, dude, you got to get out. And this kid is like, I just need a drink, man. I just need to get something to drink. And he's like, no, you need to leave, right? Whatever. And then um, he's this like, this guy's fucked up, you said. So he he, he, had his he car? was in, he was inebriated. Yeah, he drove to the he oh, drove his God. um white Honda minivan. And you said this is in Crest Crestwood. Crestwood, Illinois. Correct. Crestwood. No, Crestwood. Crestwood. Yep. God. At a oh, renowned pizza spot, Nona's. Uh, but so the dude, you know, he gets starting to get kicked out. He starts yelling at these black kids again. Eventually, drops the N word. Then, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, so you already know where this is going. He uh, deserves whatever is coming to him. So he gets, uh, you know, the security dude drags him out, and then one of the kids follows him out and squares up. The white dude charges at him and gets his ass beat. He got hit so hard on the first punch, his beanie flew off. Like, and it was like securely, <laughs> it was securely like on his head. It wasn't like, you know, like he's barely wearing it. Like it was like on, on. He got hit so hard, his beanie flew like five feet backwards. He gets like thrown underneath the car and like eventually the dude just gets up and he leaves him there. Cops show up because somebody called the cops and the black kid was like, you know what? No, I don't want to press charges. You know, like it's cool. Like if he's not, he doesn't want to press charges, I don't want to press charges. <laughs> They uh, got this kid's information. It turns out this kid is 17 years old. That, the kid um, who knocked him out? Yeah. <laughs> the kid who knocked him out is 17. So the other dude got arrested anyway for assulting a minor. Oh! But oh I think that God. that's the icing on the cake oh there, is that God. this dude oh. got his ass, like, handed to him. Like, his face was bloody. Like, he was... He got the shit beaten out of him. And he got arrested because the kid was 17. <coughs> but yeah, that's, that's my story. Wow. That's a good story. Hope that uh, it lightened the mood for whoever was listening to this at the end after all of that dolphin bar to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, we can leave it at that. Uh, from Harrison, for Ben, I'm Max. Go Hawks. My lord's good. Fox State.